Hello and welcome to Unpacking the Case, a podcast by David Jones-Bold, the real estate law specialists. Today and as ever, I'm joined by Richard Snape, our Head of Legal Training. Hello Richard. Hello Lizzie. Thanks very much for joining me today. So we're back again with another news flash um, off the back of the government press release that came out on the 16th of June, just a couple of days ago as we're recording this. Um, And this was regarding remedies for non-payment of rent, both in the immediate future, but also some long-term provisions as well. Now, the kind of upshot is it's not good news for landlords, um, but can you kind of go into the specifics of the shorter-term implications it's going to uh, cause? Yeah, the, the shorter term implications are basically an extension of things that have been around for a year and a quarter. I'm sure quite a few people are more than aware of already. Uh, the most obvious thing is that uh, back on March the 23rd last year, at the beginning of the first lockdown, uh, the Coronavirus Act was passed. And uh, amongst other things, it uh, banned forfeiture for non-payment of rent. Originally, it was going to be uh, until June the 30th. And uh, I must say that back in March, April of last year, I didn't, I didn't dream of thinking that I had to talk about it still, you know, about one and a quarter years on. Um, they extended the time period on several occasions last year until on December the 9th last year, they announced that the final extension would be until March the 31st. And it was, uh, this was positively the last time it would be extended. Um, and as of March the 31st, or as of April the 1st, landlords will be able to affect forfeiture for non-payment of rent. Um, then they decided to extend it again, uh, not surprisingly, until June the 30th. And that was going to be the last time there would be an extension. And then on the 16th, they announced it's going to be extended again, not by three months as in the past, but until March the 25th next year. So for two years, landlords will have no ability to affect forfeiture for non-payment of rent. And I'll come back to what's likely happening on March the 25th. Um, the, one of the problems is that it's not just tenants who can't pay the rent because of uh, lockdowns and the regulations and the likes. It applies for forfeiture, forfeiture for non-payment of rent across the board. I did see figures, which I've got to accept, that um, earlier this year, there were 2.8 billion pounds worth of rent arrears. And I say there are definitely you know, tenants who are not suffering and some people out there who are doing quite well out of lockdowns and the likes, uh, but it applies equally to everybody and it's not really directly to do with COVID. So that was one announcement, uh, something that's immediate. Uh, the other immediate sort of uh, uh, extensions are, well, firstly, the back in again, sort of March of last year, uh, they announced that uh, commercial rent arrears recovery, this thing that took over from levying distress back in 2008, uh, would be changed. Uh, previously, you had to be seven days or more in arrears with your rent before the landlords could, uh, through an enforcement officer, so, uh, seize goods and sell them for rent arrears. That went up to 90 days, then it went up to 187 days, then 366 days, and then 544 days. That was due to come to an end on June the 30th. That's been extended as well until March the 25th next year, Lady Day, Rent Day. Uh, And uh, also um, they've announced, back in last year, in the spring of last year, they announced that you wouldn't be able to make a statutory demand for non-payment of rent uh, if the reason for the non-payment was uh, because of... uh, lockdowns and coronavirus not just necessarily lockdowns but because your business was suffering because of coronavirus 
and you couldn't make a, a, a petition uh, for a winding up order. Uh, that was meant to be temporary. That's been extended for three months until the end of September. So those are the more direct things. And I say, obviously, I'm not very good for landlords. And okay, thank you. So, so what are the proposals for the longer term? Well, this is a bit sort of uh, theoretical at the moment. And all this is, uh, this is in relation to England. Uh, the Welsh Government uh, will be saying, well, their own things in, in, in meantime. But uh, the March the 25th uh, deadline for commercial rent arrears recovery and forfeiture for non-payment of rent allows them to introduce legislation in this parliamentary session, which they are set, what they're going to do through the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government. And that, I say, it's a bit early days yet, and rest assured DJB will tell you the detail when appropriate and when we know more. But uh, they are going to introduce ring fencing for, for rent arrears. Uh, if the rent arrears occurred you know, due to lockdowns and the likes, uh, not otherwise, uh, whereby the landlord and tenant are meant initially to uh, agree as to what to do about rent arrears, as they're doing at the moment, admittedly, you know, sort of having reductions in rent or writing off you know, rent arrears from the past. Uh, but uh, if there's no agreement, they're going to impose arbitration, which is legally binding. And I think this will happen. Um, again, we don't know too much of the detail. Uh, the press release seemed, uh, well, it was, it was leaked uh, into the press. It was in the Daily Telegraph with some of the announcements on uh, uh, the 14th of June. But uh, they... Leaking seemed to suggest it would just be the hospitality sector and also nightclubs and the likes. It seems almost certainly to be across the board. Uh, and so landlords are going to have to forego you know, rent arrears and agree, you know, statutorily agree lower rents potentially in the future. Um, the government was saying, again, this was part of the, the sort of uh, a friend of a government minister kind of says this. Um, but uh, the government was saying that uh, they quite like the Australian method. Um, it's uh, been in place for Australia, and this seems to be the preferred option, whereby in the event of no agreement, the tenant can have uh, up to 100% of their reduced profits uh, reduced from the rent. Um, they by means of the landlord picking up 50% of landlords, you know, basically 50% of the rent arrears will, will uh, be written off statutorily. And the tenants will be given the rest of the arrears a period of time to pay in installments without interest payments. The other thing the Australian method does, and I do stress none of this is definite yet, um, and we'll know uh, in the next few months the, the detail is, uh, disallow the landlord from drawing down from securities so they couldn't delve into rent deposits and the likes. They don't really mention too much about guarantors. So we'll have to see on that, but it's obviously huge news if and when it happens. I suspect it will happen. It's just a matter of when. But it'll certainly happen before the March the 25th end period for you know, the forfeiture for non-payment of rent being disallowed. And do you want to touch on the issues more long-term issues for landlords in the future as a result of this? Well, it's not so much sort of long-term issues. There's, um, 
there's a lot that's been going on this last five or six weeks have been you know not good news for landlords um because as you may appreciate uh, the um the company voluntary arrangement cases primarily um Lazari and new look um were heard in in early may of uh, a month ago or six weeks ago from when i'm speaking at the moment uh and uh, also the um first property uh, real property related case uh, on relation to the restructuring plans that were introduced by the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act last uh, summer. And both of them basically allow creditors, uh, basically the banks, the major creditors, to well, impose their will on the landlords. That's always been the case in relation to CBAs and company voluntary arrangements to some extent. Um, but uh, for instance, in Ulook, they got rid of a market rent and replaced it by a a uh, turnover-based rent. Uh, they suspended rent for three years, and they um, they also uh, um, got rid of keep open clauses, whereby the tenants had to keep their shops open at reasonable times. And the restructuring plans under the Corporate Insolvency and Government Act, and they use something called cross-class cramdown, whereby certain preferred landlords and uh, the secured creditors were able to impose their will on various other categories, uh, even though the other categories haven't got the 75% majority favour in favour of having them imposed. So it's all bad news really for landlords. So in light of all of this then, what can landlords and tenants be doing? Well, I think the one thing uh, that landlords might uh, think about doing in the sort of ray of hope, I mean, there are problems, because again, the last thing on earth you want to do is get rid of your tenants and it's always best to try and negotiate at least you know during the worst of this i mean landlords have also if they took too many steps you know um they've got the problem of empty properties and business rates on empty properties uh there's been relief which changes in england uh, not quite as uh, favorable as of july the first but there's been a relief from business rates liability in the retail leisure and hospitality sectors um that i say changes but it's still in place if it's an empty business premises unless it's empty because of lockdowns then you pay full business rates uh, and uh, that will be the landlords who've lost their tenants so to some extent you're going to have to think about keeping your tenants the obvious thing for landlords to do especially if the tenants are credit worthy and they can't affect forfeiture or commercial rent arrears recovery is um they can still sue in debt and that might be the, the better claim if they think that's feasible. There is a case um, from the Westfield Centre in Shepherd's Bush in London in April um, called Commerce Real Investment Gesellschaft GmbH, which made it clear that you can still sue for non-payment of rent, you can sue in debt. And there was this subsequent case soon afterwards um, called uh, Bank of New York Mellon and Cine UK, which said pretty much the same thing. There's a lot more detail to those cases, but that seems to be the, the better option to show that the British Retail Consortium was suggesting that uh, any new legislation stops you having to sue and uh, being able to sue in debt. It's probably the best bet for the landlords if they think the tenant is credit worthy. So what can tenants be doing then? Well, <laughs> what tenants have started to do, and I think they're here to stay, is agree rent suspension provisions in the lease which don't just cover as they usually did in the past things like uh, the rent being suspended if you can't occupy because of physical damage or destruction but because of pandemics as well and that's already started 
there is a question mark if they turned out against suspension provision that uh, applied. Uh, you know, what should happen in relation to any um, ring fencing of the, of the rent? And the other thing that tenants have been doing in the past, but a lot of tenants would consider it to, the premiums to be too high, is thinking of taking out business interruption insurance because the uh, Supreme Court and FCA in the arch made it quite clear that most business interruption insurance policies would cover pandemics. And I think that's the future for the tenants. Again, there's a question mark over if you've already got business interruption insurance, to what extent should you benefit from any ring fencing in the future? Okay, thank you. That's brilliant, Richard. And I guess, as you say, this is a situation to be monitored. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll be discussing it a lot over the coming months um, and how it kind of unfolds. But thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you, Lizzie. You've been listening to Unpacking the Case, a podcast by David Jones-Bold. 